This is Donald Parham of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to Chargers Unleashed, part of the LA Football Network. Stay tuned. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Abner and Dale Wolfenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, AG1, Aura, Mint Mobile, and Rock Solid Sports Memorabilia. If this is your first time tuning in the show, make sure to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Dan Wolkenstein. Jake Hefner. We're still here. We still got four games left. Hello. This this could set the record for the shortest game preview episode that we have ever done on Chargers Unleashed. Given the circumstances that Justin Herbert has officially been put on IR, he will not return for the 2023 season, which means Easton Stick takes the reins into Thursday night football and what looks to be a barn burner with a whole bunch of injuries for both teams. <laughs> I'm sure that Al Michaels is loving the fact that he gets to call this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. But for the sake of argument... This will be a so-called preview, if you will, of Chargers versus the Raiders on Thursday night football. Uh, it will be a preview of that, sort of, and kind of what we, they, the team, should be looking at this game and games moving forward and kind of the ramifications of that. Uh, but you mentioned it, man. Both franchises, both teams are down bad right now. Uh, you got, I saw they're looking at Aiden O'Connell or Jimmy Garoppolo or maybe none of the two with someone else coming in at a quarterback. The Raiders are Chargers, both have the same five and eight record. It's just been all bad for many different reasons for both franchises. And now it's going to be on Thursday night football primetime for everyone to see. And you mentioned it, Easton Stick. Is in there, which I'm excited for him and his opportunity. Uh, I don't know what that will look like, especially when you got Max Crosby copy on the other side. Uh, he might not even be playing either. <laughs> he mean, may not even look, be playing. He has not, just for context, he hasn't practiced all week either. So who knows what we're going to get from both squads on Thursday? So, okay. So I think we should, I think to set the stage for this episode, Jake, like I think it's important. Like to a lot set, of people set our watches. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. A lot, a lot of people. A lot of people are coming around to like draft season mode, and it being a lost season. And like, why would you win? You know, the, it doesn't do yourself any good. Like, they're kind of in that mind space. Uh, to set the record straight, like NFL franchises don't work that way. That's not how they operate. And so, like the way fans think in that regard is different than NFL players or coaches or executives. Like you don't just try to lose as much as that could possibly help you in the future. That said, I think that there are levers that teams can pull that may be able to help them better themselves for the future, both in current roster and future capital, which I think that's the bigger picture that we're going to discuss today because Nobody cares about matchups in this game, realistically. People in listening, watching, you tell me, do you care? Nobody cares about like the, the head coaching duel between these two guys. Nobody cares 
it's just it's just a different conversation right now. To me, the lens has turned to who on this team will prove or improve their value heading into 2024. And that's young guys, that's veteran guys, but more so young guys, in my opinion. And that, I think, is what I am kind of looking at and excited to watch this game to watch, is the guys that need to develop and will be on this roster next year regardless, or guys that we want to be on this roster next year who may be free agents. We don't know. There's a whole bunch of questions about this roster. And so, for me anyways, it brings me peace to kind of look at facts and the things that we know are true. And so, while I look at this game, I'm looking at Easton Stick. Like, this guy has had a long time coming to be able to play, start, all that kind of stuff. Like, this is his team for the next month. We'll see. Uh, excited for him and his opportunity. Like, can he be a long-term backup solution? I don't know. Um, Isaiah Spiller, we've talked about it for months at this point. The Chargers offense can't look any worse, at least the running game, which we'll get into why that has been the case. But in short, players can shine and can get peppered with opportunities and go through the trial by fire. That's what I'm looking for for this game. Be honest, Jake. If you weren't going to watch the game, which I'm not, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you probably were going to watch it, but if you weren't, what would be the reasons that someone could tell you why you should be interested in this game? You kind of brought it up there. It's just, and, and we talked about this in our last episode in terms of, you know, well, what's, what's left of the season. It's basically now outside of the expectations that we have for what we expect to happen at the end of the season with coach GM. Now you look at the roster in terms of guys that, you know, are either still under contract contracts are coming up and to say, okay, well, who is it that really wants to play for this team in 2024? Who's going to make a case for that? So it's, it's weird in a circumstance, especially now with Justin Herbert out with playoff contentions gone, that you look at these last four games almost as like preseason games in the same type of work. Like like who wants to step up in that circumstance to say, this is going to be a guy that's going to stick on this roster in 2024. That's really the only reason that if anybody has any interest in watching this or any game beyond this, (laughs) regardless of whether the Chargers win or lose, that would be the only reason. You know, it's interesting. You said, like, the guys who want to step up. In my opinion, and I have felt this way for the better part of this year, like especially with Quentin Johnston as an example. Like, once Mike went down, and then especially once Quint, once Josh Palmer went down, which, by the way, he's set to return. So I think that's a healthy, fresh breath, breath of fresh air. W- will it matter? Should it matter? No. Different story. Talk but- about the bad timing <laughs> awards rearing their <laughs> ugly head at the best possible moment. Oh, my gosh. That, that notification you got that said, like, Justin Herbert, IR, but Josh Palmer returns. You're like, yeah, it's ah. like, <laughs> um, but the, the, the one of those times where the I social have... media team just totally took the wind out of your sails. It's like, man, that just went from like a bad tweet to worse <laughs> by announcing. Yeah, it's um the the thing that I look at. I mentioned it with Quentin Johnston. Is like, it's not necessarily even like who wants to be 
a bigger part of this team or, you know, who wants to be a part of the roster in 2024. But, like, it's forcing that decision, I think, is what I want to see this coaching staff and front office do with these players. Like, force the players, the staff, fans, to go through it. Like, we've seen what has happened so far. Again, the team's 5-8. and eight. We've seen what's happened when the team has shielded the starters or shielded the fans from guys like Isaiah Spiller or Quentin Johnston or JT Woods or Dayon Henley or a bunch of other guys because they're not ready. We've heard that all season. Well, the team's five and eight. So the guys who were ready didn't work out either for a multitude of reasons. But now that essentially, again, they're not mathematically eliminated, but with Ethan Stick at the helm and you going four straight wins, it's a far fetch. Call it. Force the hand. Force Quentin Johnston to be that guy. And if he drops four or five in a row, then he drops four or five in a row. Force Isaiah Spiller to work through the 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 rust or the young running back archetype that he's kind of gotten plagued with. If he's not ready, okay, put him out there. The best way he gets ready is to put him in the game. Look at the secondary. Dean Leonard was put into a position we had to start. If he's healthy, put him out there. Is he a solution for you long-term? Or should he just be a depth piece? Right now, Jake, your starting corners next year are Asante Samuel Jr., Dean Leonard, and Jazir Taylor. Dayon Henley. They say he's not ready. I don't care. I think his I think his athleticism will probably take over for some of the areas that he's not ready. But let's see it. Darius Davis. We've been clamoring for him to be the offensive weapon other than two jet sweeps a game. Force the hand. Have him run some go routes. Throw the ball up. Give him some slants. See what you can do. Like this is like assessment time. And if you're looking at this as preseason, get those guys out there early, often. And if it doesn't work, that's what you are expecting. Exactly. But let them go through it. Like, it seems like they're protecting themselves from themselves, and that clearly didn't lead to success. The hard part to evaluate in all this, Dan, is, is, is obviously depending. You could go through this a multitude of different ways as you were talking about with just some of the young guys on this team, ones that are still going to be under contract next year. And reality is, is just you, how they perform today or over these next four weeks, regardless if it's good or bad, it's, it's not, it can't, it's not even the most indicative picture of how they may perform in the future under different leadership. That's the kicker. So it's, it's really, what, kind what do you mean? Cool. What do you mean? Well, in terms of, how they've either been implemented in this defense or offensive players when we're talking about Darius Davis, Quentin Johnston, and their usage overall. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I understand where everybody's mindset is, and I'm totally with you. And believe me, Dan and I have already set this up in terms of the conversations that we are going to have <laughs> this week as it relates to changes that are coming from the top down and what needs to be done from the top down. We're still going to be going through our 2024 roster construction position by position and it's not going to be pretty when the 2024 offseason starts. There are a lot of tough decisions to make. But that's kind of the tough part about it is, Dan, is that one player that may work for this system may not work for another. So I get 
what you're what you're saying in terms of like let's let <laughs> let's see. You know, you know what's funny about that? What's funny about that, Jake? Is while true, you could argue the players that they currently have haven't been working for this organization, so it probably will work. No, for yeah, the next one, it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's really bizarre. That is the that is the mess that the 2023 Chargers have become this year because. As we talked about, you don't have anything to hang your hat on in terms of consistency. Good games as a full team to go back on and say, what did we do right here that we can implement in the future? And now, especially with Justin Herbert out, you really can't do much. So in this type of a game where you may not have Keenan Allen from things that Dan and I have heard, you may not even have Donald Parham for this game. There could be a lot of guys out. Dean Leonard, again, is... Doesn't look like he's going to be playing. Has not practiced all week. That's not good for a Thursday night type game. So it'll be Michael Davis most likely starting in his position. It's just, what are you going to get in this game? And if it's me, and with these changes that Brandon Staley has essentially tried to implement over these last couple of weeks, screw it. I'm going to full overhaul. I'm going a full overhaul at this point in time. If that's if that's how you want to play it, and what you know from what you have right now being five and eight. The crappy part about this was is that this this Chargers team was not a good football team with Justin Herbert at the helm. So it's probably not going to be any better with Easton Stick at the helm. So <laughs> try try to do something just to evaluate individual talent. So let me, let me ask you something here. Um, and I'm, I'm asking this to you and to watchers, listeners. Like for younger players, or hell, even for veterans, but for specifically younger players, do you think that losses or wins impact them more? Wins impact them more. And I I hate saying that, and I know what that sounds like. But as we have said, (laughs) the 2024 season financially for the Chargers is going to be hell. For anybody that is going to say, you know, why don't the Chargers sign somebody in free agency come next year? There's going to be a good reason why. The reason why is they're not going to have much money to do so. The best thing that the Chargers are going to be able to do is sign depth pieces that are low-level contracts at best. Well, the the to be specific, the reason it will be hell, I think the hell part of it is because of the guys you're going to have to let go. Correct. Hard decisions on top of everything. We have talked about the big contracts that are affecting your salary cap and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Khalil Mack, and Joey Bosa. And I don't think that anybody looking at this rationally can say that all four of those guys are going to be back on this roster. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. No way. And that's me being an optimist. But okay. But okay. Back to the wins and losses. Yes. In terms of how does it, what, what benefits them more? Because your salary cap is going to be so screwed next year, you have to figure out a way to get performances on low-level contracts. So that increases the value of how much next year's draft means to you. Okay, so the the reason I'm asking is I agree with you. I think rookies experiencing wins – I think is more. I think affects them positively more than rookies 
going through losses. And I know there's an argument of tank season and you want to get the best overall draft pick and all that kind of stuff. Like there's that argument to be had, but I will also argue this season has been tough and they have lost some gut wrenching, you know, but you know, skip the record for every last 10 years, whatever. But like, I would love to see Quentin Johnson get a game winning reception. Like have him go take the house game winning, even if it means you go down three slots in the draft. Like, if I had to choose between those two scenarios, having a confident Quentin Johnston with some shine going into year two or three spots different in the draft, like, I'm taking the money that's already in my pocket. But if you extrapolate that to other guys, now, you could argue, like, okay, well, what if Quentin Johnston got that house call and then, you know, the defense gave up a touchdown with 10 seconds left? Okay, sure, whatever. But, like, I think that's where the argument is. You know, people, I, I saw stuff today about people saying, like, people, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, but, like, if, you know, if the Chargers, if you're rooting for a Chargers victory, you're just content with mediocrity and, and losing. And, like, I kind of understand that. But also, like, you're telling me you're okay with losing. You're telling the people that want to win are okay with losing, but you want to lose in order to win. Like, do you not see the irony in this? Now, you could talk about short-term versus long-term, like a different conversation, but that's not the mindset of these players in any NFL team. It's just not. So personally, like, do I think that this team's going to end up 9-8? and eight? No, I don't. And I think that going, from, going to that like, scenario, like, that would kind of suck from a draft position. But, like, Wait on Raiders a week and you lose the next three, for example. Like, I'm totally cool with that from a draft season, tank season, but player progression, momentum going into the next season. Like, that's okay. And so, like, I think the micros versus the macro sometimes get confused here. The other part that I probably should bring up for this discussion, specifically for this game, this game and games moving forward is, you know, you and I have talked about, like, the roster construction and, like, how many holes are going to be on this roster come, basically, January 9th, (laughs) if you will. Uh, I want to get your take on this, because I thought about this a little bit last night and today, and I know draft talk is, like, your vibe. Oh, yes. I started thinking about it, and there's a lot of positions that are going to have holes next year. And there's a lot of needs that this team has. And and it's really easy to kind of get like caught up on just like the sheer volume of all of those things. Like, Oh, we need a corner running back, wide receiver, tight end. We need offensive line, defensive line. We need linebacker, like all, you know, all of those things. Right. But it is interesting to me. Like some of the things that I believe have plagued this team the most this year are things again, for the most part that come with relatively low draft capital needs. So, like, for example, I don't necessarily think a bona fide offensive weapon tight end has been the thing that this offense has needed or has been crippling this team. Like, I think some semblance of a blocking tight end for sure has been a massive problem. I think blocking running backs obviously have been massive problems and run blocking in general have been massive problems. So interior offensive line, 
running back, tight end, all three of those things you could argue could slash should be focused on later in the draft. And you can find quality talent. You don't go draft for a blocking tight end need at tight end one in round one. You just don't. So while there are a ton of holes, there's a path. If you focus your vision on like, okay, what are the most important things this team needs to solve for? And where are those things relative to draft position? It's like, I'm thinking about that when I'm going into this game tomorrow is like, all right, like if we have problem, if we have serious issues at run blocking, for example, like, all right, or running game, running game, for example, you can find a day two, day three running back into your offensive line. You can find day two starters all day long, every single year. Blocking tight end, you could find in day three. But on the back end, you can't find a bona fide corner day three. And you've seen what this DB room has looked like this year. If you're wanting to go find a bona fide wide receiver, you know, the Marvin Harrisons of the world, the, 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 the Malik neighbors of the world, you know, you've heard those names. Those don't come around day two, day three. Those type. You can get quality receivers, but like those bona fide alphas like that typically don't come. So like that's what I'm kind of thinking as I go through like watching different positions play out. Which, what does that mean for draft strategy? It means that the Chargers can go virtually anywhere they want if they're if their remaining four games put them around, let's just say, pick six for sake of argument. That's where they fit. Let's say five to 10. Let's say six to 10. Any position besides quarterback, the Chargers could essentially go for. Now, there's ones that you could automatically eliminate. Obviously, running back, this is not the Bijan Johnson or Bijan Johnson, Bijan Robinson, uh, Jamari Gibbs type year. There's no first round grade running back in this class. So, obviously, that will pass in talking about that six to 10 range. Offensive tackle, which I know that people have talked about, obviously, with everything with Joe Alt. Tackle. Uh, I don't know. I First of all, you're already in cap hell, and I don't see them replacing Trey Pipkins and then putting themselves in more dead cap space. So I don't see that being the issue. If they go offensive lineman anywhere, obviously, it'll be to possibly replace Corey Lindsley. So you could take that one out at being that early. If it's me, Dan. There's three positions that I look at, and then it's the trading back possibility, which, of course, I have heavily favored for years, and I'm hoping between now and my death that I will see this team actually do it and do it correctly. Brock Bowers, regardless of what you want to say for what he is, what this team needs, he's got generational tight end talent. And the drop-off between what he does compared to the other tight ends in this class there's a big difference. This is not like the tight end class of That's last true. year where you That's could true. put a bunch together and say, oh, this tight end class is deep. You can get a guy that's like that in virtually every round. Brock Bowers is that dude. Cornerback? We could definitely go there. As we talked about in our previous 2000 or 2024 roster construction, Kool-Aid McKinstry, McKinstry excuse me, Nate Wiggins, 
there's a lot of top-end corner talent that the Chargers could target in this particular draft. Which they haven't done in a decade, by the way. Which they have not done in a while. Now, another one, we know that Austin Johnson, I don't think Austin Johnson is going to be returning to the Chargers next year. His contract is up. I don't foresee that to be one that the Chargers bring back. Again, I'm not trying to break any news here or even be able to predict yeah. on who the hell the My GM is. he and SJD are both gone. So you could look to the trenches to try to rebuild there. And there's a couple guys as it relates to either the edge or the defensive linemen that have a top 10 grade on them that you could do. Or my favorite, trade down. If the Chargers find themselves, say, Dan, at number six, with as many quarterbacks that are projected to go in the top 10, this would be the prime time to do it. And it's because of the fact that you have so many of those holes to fill that if you can acquire an additional pick here, there, and ultimately select the right guys in doing it, it's not just <clears throat> trading down is just half the picture because once you do it, you eventually have to utilize those other picks that you have and utilize them right. We've seen what Tom Telesco has done when he's had two third round picks. He took Joshua Palmer and he took Trey McKitty. So under this GM, the problem I have with like, like this is the trading back thing. And I'm, I'm not trying to put a pin in your excitement balloon here, but if Tom Telesco's back next year, it's not happening period. Probably not. And First of all, that was which has a whole different conversation. That, that's which, a that's whole different conversation. Uh, and I'm just referring to him as the GM from this point <laughs> forward. That name will not uh, come out of my mouth any longer. Um, that's a whole different conversation in itself. And you're probably right, Dan, if that outcome ends up coming true. And that's very I'm literally, I'm literally Jake. For, I, I, you you would appreciate this or or despise this. I was going looking at like, oh, like draft trade formulas and stuff. And I was going like, all right, let's see what the charges draft capital look like. And it's just like all chalk across yes. the board, one through seven. Yes. Same selection. Every part I'm like basic, basic, basic. <laughs> basic. So look, and you, I, and I you think, just realize and all of a sudden you realize why am I wasting my time? <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. That may or may not have come out of my mouth last night. Uh, th- so, like, when I think about it, right, like, I think, okay, looking at this team's construction and what's necessary, going into this game against the Raiders and moving forward, like, I kind of look at it through the lens of, like, okay, which positions are the ones that need to get fixed from a personnel perspective? And which positions or areas of weakness need to get fixed by coaching slash scheme. So like, for example, people say, Oh, we should go offensive line around one. You can never go. You're, you're never wrong by going offensive line around one. Like I'm not saying don't do it, but in my opinion, like the, the issues with their offensive line pass protection specifically one way more issue with running backs and tight ends that aren't blocking correctly. But also, schematically, whether that's Justin, lack of Corey, or Kellen Moore not teaching these guys, like, that's schematically not taught to them. Like, when you know an overload blitz is coming, you should be able to prepare for that schematically, both as a line, tight end, running backs, and receivers, and quarterback. Like, there's ways to scheme against that, and they simply 
don't. No. So like that, I don't think an offensive tackle fixes it when you got nine guys coming or exaggeration, of course, but when you got a ton of guys coming. So that's how I'm looking at this. Um, which, which I get. And if you, if you're, if you're putting it into perspective to say like, okay, things to watch for at these positions to evaluate the talent that's currently there. Tight end obviously is that because Gerald Everett will not be under contract next year. Donald Parham and stone smart will be gone the year after. And you have not properly invested in this tight end room. In my opinion, the way that you probably should have. How about linebacker? Kenneth Murray's contract is up after this season. You don't know whether you're going to move forward with Eric Kendricks. You need to see what you have with Dayon Henley for why you drafted him in the third round to be other than just a special teamer. We it's know the situation. Nick Neiman and Dayon Henley. <laughs> right. You know the situation that you have currently a running back. Austin Eckler will not be returning. Joshua Kelly's contract is up. So feed, as you said, Isaiah Spiller. See what you have with the depth of this wide receiver group. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Jalen Guyton could conceivably not be with this team next year. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> you're, starting, you're starting wide receivers would be Quentin Johnson, Darius Davis. Joshua Palmer. Woof. Scary <laughs> wolf. So, so that's that's what we're looking for. Just think of it from a standpoint of say, okay, we need to draft there, 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 and there. That's why I would encourage you to tune in. Otherwise, but if you've got better plans, by all means, take them. <laughs> you can watch the replay take for em. sure. Take them. <laughs> yes. And, and again, like I'm looking at this of like positions versus scheme. Which are the issues that are personnel? Which are the issues that can be fixed with scheme? That's my eye. So when I go into this game, that's where my focus is. Um, who cares about bold predictions? I'd love to see Easton Stick throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns and Quentin Johnson having a buck 50. You know, uh, Dan Henley scoop and score. It'd be sick. But like, none of it. I don't know. None of Do it. you want to give one? Do you want to give a bold one? For what? Okay. okay give me just for, just for shits again. Give me one bold prediction. Quinn Johnson goes for over 100 yards and a touchdown and the Chargers loss 28 to 7. <laughs> there you go. Like, like I could care less. <laughs> oh, that's a way to end this show. For Jake Hefner, Dan Wilkins on LAFB Chargers Unleashed. Uh, big, pivotal matchup coming up tomorrow. Chargers versus Raiders. Which Huge. team will get to nine losses? We'll find out by about 8.30 Pacific time on Thursday. Uh, the, shun, the sun will shine bright once again, but between now and early January, it's basically, you know, Morador. <laughs> this is basically what we have for the next month. And we are just taking that march every single day. Uh, again, Jake after Dan Wolkenstein. Thanks guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Chargers on... Un-